El futuro tiene nada más que la confrontación. Welcome to Unpopular Opinion. I'm your host, Adam Todd Brown. I used to write a bunch of weekly columns for a bunch of fucking internet places, and I would use those columns to put forth all sorts of crazy opinions. Then I would come on this show to defend those opinions. But now I just do drugs. Joining me today, he is the front man of a fantastic rock band called Countless Thousands. They have a new album coming out in January. Chet Wilde has already heard it, but I haven't for some reason. It's fine. No, it's fine. Ladies and gentlemen, Danger Van Gorder. Also joining me, she is my co-host on a wonderful Unpops Network podcast called Pretty Scary. If you're not listening to that, hey, we're not even friends. Ladies and gentlemen, Caitlin Cut going to be a great show. Hey, everybody. Welcome to Unpopular Opinion. I'm your host, Adam Todd Brown. Joining me as co-host today, my favorite co-host of all, no co-host. Jeff will be back next week. I'm just joking. We love Jeff. Uh, but, you know, scheduling. Sometimes things shake out, and it's just got to be me and two guests. Two guests who haven't been on this podcast, this podcast, in a while. Case in point, Caitlin Cut is here. Hey, everybody. Caitlin is my co-host on Pretty Scary. If you don't know that already, fuck you, because I mean, that is a great podcast that you should be listening to religiously. Caitlin, how's it going? True. I'm great. I'm ready to talk about this super upbeat topic um, filled with hope. And, uh, you know, I walked my dog, so I'm ready. That's what we do on this comedy podcast. We talk about comedy stuff. Comedy content. 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 Comedy-tent. We, we need to trademark that right now. That's Comic. what we do. We do content. Comic-tent. 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 We got it. We got it. We're done. Yeah, thanks for everyone. It. Thanks for joining you got a, us. A commitment to commitment. Oh yeah, Danger oh. Van Gorder's here too. Hi, hi guys. Hello. Oh man, I'm so excited to be here and so sad. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because here's the thing, and everyone knows Danger. He is the front man of a fantastic rock band called Countless Thousands. They have. Do you have a new? You have a new album out, right? We got a new album coming out on January 1st, 2021, because fuck 2020. We got some singles. Be delighted to premiere a couple of singles on your show. And if I'm not mistaken, you sent an advanced copy of that album to Chet, but not to me. Um, it's okay. It's fine. Uh, I mean, oh yeah, no, he wasn't supposed to tell. Yeah, I mean, Chet has yeah, done I mean, so much to promote your band, and he you know, had, he's had yeah, you on all his podcasts no, I and just, things. Uh, so. I, I see. I, I, I thought I had all this power over Chet, and I told him, wow. "Did you fucking tell anyone wow. about this? Wow. I will mm. take your dog." He's a cat person. Oh, yeah. So I got the spaghetti squash and the, the spaghetti squash. We're going to listen to this album. I wanted him to quietly give me feedback on, you know, technical shit and notes and like, hey, does this sound right? Does this sound weird? You want the, look, you guys want the album. I'll give you the album, but I'll give you the album without threatening 
you guys because I like I like you yeah, guys. Don't, you know? Don't threaten me. I mean, I can keep a secret. So our topic this week, as this podcast is coming out, we are precisely two weeks and one day away <sighs> from the next U.S. presidential election. Oh, boy. Yeah. Let's get it. Let's get it. Let's get it. And and then, of course, there's so many people out there right now who are like, we just want Biden to win because then we can go back to bed and we can have a nice we can have a nice lunch and we don't have to pay attention to all the horrible things that have had de- centuries of uh, abuse and, and uh, uh, ill effect on all of these people of color and all these poor people and all these young people who have uh, no more opportunities. But if Trump's gone, then I'm going back to bed. Yeah, that is kind of my concern, is that if Biden wins, we'll just kind of go back to the Obama days when everyone on the mm. left was like, everything happening in the world is fine because our mm. team is in office. I think the liberals will go back to bed. The left is going to step up harder than ever, though, because there's no seat at the table in a Trump presidency for something like Medicare for all. But I think Biden can be bullied. I mean, it's the kind of thing I think about, like, uh, Lyndon Johnson didn't go into the White House going like, I'm going to I'm going to create the Voting Rights Act and we're, we're going to restore the, the purpose of the, the 14th and 15th Amendments. And he was put in a position where he had to do it. Lincoln didn't want to free the slaves. He didn't want to, to, to go to war. He was supposed to be a, a you know, the make everybody happy compromise candidate. And uh, he was put in a position. He had to issue the Emancipation Proclamation, put through the 13th Amendment. Yeah, I don't know if we should get that far ahead of ourselves, though. I'm just saying. Because there's, Trump there's still the has poss- to lose this election and leave office. And I don't <laughs> right. know if either of those things are guaranteed at this point. Two different things. I, I just want to say that I don't think any president is supposed to be extreme at all. I think that the reason why we have a government set up the way that we have it is so that we have ability to get all sorts of different voices into the mix. And the president is supposed to just hold the line and not barrel us towards a major world war or create civil war. And that's why I'm going to liberate Michigan a lot better about Biden if he wins, because he's boring and he's overall fine. It'll Mm. be he's fine. I mean, he's fine. He's fine now because he's not in a position to disproportionately incarcerate black people anymore. But, but I don't think you can put all of that on one person anyway. I mean, I that's that. Well, I mean, he's that Biden crime bill, the, like the one he wrote true. with his yeah. name on it. That was a big deal. You're not you're not wrong. I forgot about that. Uh-huh. Whatever. Yeah, but still C minus. If nothing else, when it comes to my thing with Democrats compared to Republicans in general is that Democrats handle crisis better. And for if for no other reason than that. I would like Joe Biden to take over as president because this well, crisis ain't going to be over. People dying two- from uh, from Ebola. You remember that the the, the two hundred thousand people who died from the Ebola virus in the Obama presidency, Benghazi. You remember that? I remember all of that, but yeah. I still want a more capable president in charge of coronavirus right, relations. Well, there were very few fatalities from the Ebola virus when it reached American soil. Yeah. Yeah, no, just for that old facetious thing. I don't think it landed. No, not a comedian, guys. No? No, not a comedian. I don't know if I ever mentioned that. Hmm. Yeah. I could have sworn. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, we're talking about election stuff on this episode because it's bearing down on us. Have you both voted already? Yep. Yep. Yeah, I did yesterday. Put my- I, uh, 
Yeah, no, I've been uh, talking to all of the uh, most hardline conservative people, the ones that I've just accepted that are going to completely, the ones who would be fine if uh, people who like me, not me, but like me were thrown into jail for political opinions and just like, hey, you know what? Just vote no on Prop 22. That's as much as I can ask for you. <laughs> no on 22 is, is, is a, it's, it's 22 is a it's a, it's a terrible proposition. Let's Lyft kind of dictate uh, our labor market and our laws. And as someone who worked for Lyft and had their pay cut by 75 percent just because they fucking could, I don't think they should be allowed to rewrite our labor laws. <laughs> yeah, I don't know if it's the most important thing on the ballot this year, but no, sure. no. But there's a whole lot of people in my social sphere who are like, yeah, so, uh, you know, Trump's letting all these people die and, you know, is calling for the imprisonment of his political enemies and uh, kidnapping is uh, was being considered in some places dry run and what the uh, Q army goes out into the streets and starts arresting uh, Democrats. And, <laughs> but uh, yeah, that but, was uh, last week's episode. We talked about Q and no, I, 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 I listened to it and it's sad because that people just want to believe in magic, man. People want to believe and they will they will accept some far fetched shit if it if they're just like, yeah, no, that doesn't affect me at all. I don't have to take responsibility in the slightest. So, I don't yeah, think that's fair. Well. <laughs> no, it's not. Because, look, there are plenty of people that have really intense things going on in their personal lives. And that's where all of their energy goes. And I think one reason why Trump is going to lose is because people are sick of hearing about the president of the United States making face planning on a daily basis. He's making days worse for people. And at the end of the day, that's what people vote for and against. I really, truly believe that. And what I, you're saying is Americans want to vote to be complacent again? Yes. No. I, I mean, they, 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 they want to disengage, again. right? No. I think that this is an unprecedented time and things have been kicked up at an unprecedented rate. And I think that real change is happening. I don't think it's going to serve any of us to move forward cynically, period. And if, you know, if we can't believe that people have the capacity to change, then what are you so upset about? <laughs> Yeah, but like those QAnon motherfuckers aren't going to change. No, I know, but but there are other people on the other side of things that have become just as inspired and just as engaged and can't unlearn things. I'm not saying that people can't go back to complacency, but I don't think that we're going to be given that opportunity. I don't think that's where we're at anymore. I think we have hit no return. There's been enough damage done to, uh, especially our judicial system, which I'm sure we're going to get into, that there's a lot of there's a lot of uh, otherwise brunch goers who are going to have to get on board with, uh, you know, we talk about what the left wants, that what the left wants is really the popular things in America. Like we'd like single payer health care or uh, we'd like legalized m- marijuana, you know, countrywide. Woo. We'd like to end cash bail. Uh, that's what everybody wants. A majority of Republicans, right. a majority of Democrats all want right. those things. You know, and it's just we haven't had a we haven't had a government set up to provide the things that people want. We haven't had a pandemic sweep through and make us dependent on a government for us to realize how inept they are and how insensitive they are. And that's why I think we've hit a point of no return. I look, I I certainly hope you're right. Um, I um, my grad school community collaborative project capstone is going to be on working for a COVID recovery package for the California Federation of Labor, because we just need, there's all these systems that completely disintegrated. What did I heard yesterday? 
my my wife was saying the uh, uh, there were more people that filed for unemployment than voted Trump in 2016. Yeah, that's why I'm saying like I just yeah. I, I have a hard time. And look, you know, I was raised in conservative Orange County, and I know plenty Woo. of Republicans that are voting for for Biden yeah. this year. And it's not because they are now a Democrat; it's because. No. Truthfully, in my opinion, the way democracy works is everybody walks away unhappy. <laughs> That's the way it should go. It's It's got to give and it's got to take. And I think that we're all at a point where, you know, we're looking at not just a housing crisis, but a housing crisis compounded with a student loan crisis, which is mm-hmm. just about to happen. And that is going to be a shock to the system that people don't see coming because it's going to be people in their early 30s and early 40s who are now losing their homes. We're not talking about boomers who took a second out on their home to remodel their kitchen. We're talking about people that bought at the bottom of the market and afforded what they barely could on top of their student debt. And that's going to be a point of no return as well. So I'm hopeful, if only for the fact that we're running out of options. I mean, it's it's. I, I I just I, I don't think that to say like people are going to vote for Biden just to be complacent. I as a woman, <laughs> uh, no, I disagree with you completely. Well, because I, I don't think he's saying they're going to vote for Biden to be complacent. That's literally what he said. But I well, I think <laughs> when Biden I, I feel like there are a lot of people out there who think the only problem is Trump. And once Trump is out of office, we're cool. And the problems Trump brought into office with him are not going to go away. Like no, we're not they were just going to there. We're not going to immediately there. be a nation united because Trump is out of office. I think I, like I, I don't think I, anybody thinks that I've I, never. Ooh. I want to no, be there, 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 I want to be hopeful also. But to me, we are at the point in history that we've been at for like the past 20 to 30 years, which is we are so divided that no matter what happens in government, no matter what the government does, half the country is always going to agree with it. It happened during the Obama administration when he was deporting people and assassinating American citizens via drone and not closing Guantanamo Bay. And everyone Not on the left charging any bankers uh, for collapsing our economy. And everyone on the left right. was like, it's fine. Obama's in office. This is all good. And it yeah. wasn't fine. No. And it's I don't think it's going to be magically fine under Biden. Biden is a law and order president, just like Trump. Like I he's just, got that law and order history. And I don't trust that it's going to translate well to the radical left. Like he'll yeah, crack down on the l- radical left. Just like anyone, just like Trump would. Yeah, there are a lot of probably. Democratic establishment characters who, yeah, no, who are saying that, like, yeah, no, Trump is the only problem. And, you know, if we can get him out of office, we can go back to, like, it's people who have accepted that the government doesn't work for them. And they just want, they just want to, 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 to yell at the left for, for, you know, having a, a, a position and for saying anything. Like, when I criticize Biden. Again, I do so as an elected delegate to the Democratic Party and out of the hope, the optimism that that will create change. Like I opened this thing earlier saying that, like, yeah, no, Biden isn't going into this presidency as a Green New Deal kind of guy. He's not going in as a Medicare for all guy. Uh, But neither did did Lyndon Johnson uh, go in thinking that he was going to sign the biggest civil rights legislation in uh, literally 100 years. Right. Um, So, yeah, no, there's 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 the possibility for change. But my point is, I don't see that change coming from the top down. I think it's when people 
like us continue to push. Like I want to go out into the streets on inauguration day when they swear in with Joe Robinette Biden, the third guys, he's the third Joseph Robinette Biden. I always Ugh. forget. There are three people in the world with the middle name Robinette. Yeah. At, yeah, no, at least um, that which, doesn't you know, bode imply, well for America. It, it, it implies the existence of a Robin. No, Robin. <laughs> shit, what was the male equivalent of a Robinette? Whatever. Oh, that would have been so great if I landed it. Either way, like I'm going out on January 21st with my sign saying Green New Deal, Medicare for all um, and, you know, and housing discrimination. You know, that's why I went back to grad school. That's why I went to grad school is we need to figure out new ways to create opportunity for people because our housing scene is toxic. Like there aren't opportunities like Caitlin, you were talking about people who bought into the market. I don't I know one person in my immediate social sphere who's my age who bought a house and like oh, I it, know tons. It, they bought a house for one point four mil in Burbank and like they're like one of them has a terrific job. Um, but like I know so many more people who are just living with their parents because they don't have any other options. I know a lot of moderate Republicans and moderate Democrats whose kids, whose adult children with children had to move back in with them because the rent is insane. And it's not through any like laziness on their part. Like it's that whole like, oh, failure to launch thing from like 2002. Oh, you you, you got to get out of the get out of the house and, and stand on your own two feet. No, man, opportunities are disappearing in and, California for sure. Oh, California. Yes, absolutely. I know plenty of people who bought in California and I know plenty of people who bought elsewhere. I think that they are the most vulnerable, though, because yeah, no, absolutely. They, they don't have a nest egg and they Cat, uh, house poor. They have crazy student debt. You know, I have a friend mm-hmm. who's a lawyer. He makes a ton of money, but <laughs> it goes to debt. So, right. you know, if I'm, if, I think that I don't want to this is going to I don't even care how it sounds. <laughs> Nobody cares about the people living with their parents. Nobody cares about those people. What the market cares about is the people that bought a house that are going to default. That's that's where big change is going to happen. And I hate to say it that way, but when we start to see people who, you know, bought into the system and quote unquote made good and even they are getting screwed over, which is about to happen, that's where we're going to see real change. And it sucks, but that's what it takes. Right. And I think it sucks I, that's that it why. wasn't the the housing collapse in 2008 of completely clearing ground of majority minority homeowners losing their homes because they were sold bad debt that they could have never gotten out of uh, because suddenly it was fine for the banks to uh, uh, to to profit off of the Glass-Steagall Act, God damn it! bring back the Glass-Steagall Act. We need my it. Dad, my dad was a loan officer under the Clinton administration and sold those loans and said, we are screwed. There's going to be a yeah. crash. And then it happened. Yeah. And uh, we've got like corporate land, co- corporate home ownerships on the rise. They're making more money just renting out the houses that they bought after the collapse than they could ever it just selling it, you know, until the market fundamentally changes. Like that, my, my grad school education has been, I want to figure out how to write state legislation to fundamentally overhaul our housing policies and our tax policies, you know, because we can't have only, you know, in 2045, we can't only have either corporations or 85 year old people owning homes. It's just not going to work. No, it's not. And And at the same time, like, I don't necessarily want to buy. We need more choice 
in the housing market. Like I don't necessarily want to just go out and buy the suburban home in Downey or like uh, Pacoima. Uh, you know, like I am more interested in being close to an over course. I like more town homes. I could, I could talk about this forever. We, we haven't talked about the election. We I'm just need saying, like, more choice in the fucking presidential market. <laughs> That's what we goddamn need. We need to get over the idea that this two-party system benefits fucking anybody. I think that's where we're going to see a big difference. I do. I think after this, my my, I really strongly feel that a third-party candidate after this has more of a chance than they ever have. I really, I really believe that. Yeah. What? Because because if Biden wins, they're going to run Tucker Carlson. That's what's going to happen. We're going to have Tom Cotton. We're going to have one of these dudes that's so extreme that Who's there's, polished. there's going to be a huge swath of Americans after going through this because, sorry, here's the other thing. Whoever gets the presidency this time is basically like an ER doctor ex- waiting on a, a person who's just been run over by a Mack truck. <laughs> like, that's the economy they're being handed. That's the America they're being handed. They are set up to, I don't want to say set up to fail because I'm not going to victimize these people. They All they want is power, but you know what I'm saying. And nothing's going to be magically pit- fixed in the next four years after what happened this year. Nothing. It's just going to get worse, if anything, for the first two years of whoever this presidency is. And that's why I think that in that in that window of time, we're going to start to see, especially at that two-year mark, we're going to start to see a third-party candidate get actual interest in STEAM. That's my prediction. Yeah, my concern there is what third-party candidate, Right, though? I know. Yeah. It's like, scary. It's in that kind of situation, almost anyone can move in and be like, hey, what about my thing? And, oh, man. Yep. But People can sweep in like, you're not to blame those people are and then suddenly people are putting your name on their lawn signs yeah when you need mealtime inspiration it's worth shopping kroger where you'll find over thirty thousand mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie and no matter what tasty choice you make you'll enjoy our everyday low prices plus extra ways to save like digital coupons worth over six hundred dollars each week you can also save up to one dollar off per gallon at the pump with fuel points more savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping kroger worth it every time kroger fresh for everyone fuel restrictions apply Let's talk about some election stories that have happened so far. The first one I want to talk about, here's the thing. I actually don't toot my own horn a lot when it comes to being right about things. I think people act like I do, but it's more that people tweet at me. What you're right about is depressing. Well, and I don't want to be right about shit like this, but... I've been saying since 2016 that NBC as a network, as a company, is firmly on the side of Trump. And they have been promoting Trump and normalizing Trump this entire time. And I think people are finally catching on to that because of what just happened with the town hall. When, like... Trump got COVID, refused to participate in a virtual debate. So Joe Biden, a month ago, had scheduled this town hall on ABC. And then NBC was like, okay, we're going to do a Trump one at the exact same time. Like, who the fuck is that benefiting? That's not helping the country. Like, no matter what side you're on, you should want to be able to see both of those town halls separately. 
And I know like, oh, you can DVR it. That's not the fucking point. No, that is not everybody not has DVR at all. And I'm just like, I'm so tired of people like, oh, did you see Bill Burr's monologue on SNL? Man, fuck Saturday Night Live. Saturday yeah. Night Live are a bunch of goddamn Trump collaborators. And if your dream as a comedian is still to be on Saturday Night Live, <laughs> fuck you too. It is a it, different world and you should not want to be involved in that shit. But people do and people still act like, oh, SNL really gave it to Trump. No, mm-hmm. SNL has been normalizing Trump this entire time. They make Trump seem like just another fun thing to joke about. That motherfucker is a national crisis. And NBC has not been treating it that way because NBC is vehemently pro-Trump. And I hate Jimmy it. Fallon rubbing dude's hair. Like, look how real it is, guys. I think that the other part of this, though, is that, I mean, I think if you held a gun to Alec Baldwin's head, he would argue that he was character, you know, being, it was a caricature and all these things. But I think the other part of this that I have like major fatigue on in general, uh, especially from NBC um, and a lot of people that came from NBC is it's just, it's actually the reason why Jon Stewart left the daily show. And he gave a great great interview about this where he would do these really wonderfully researched and, you know, groundbreaking monologues that I remember at the time were like, holy shit, this is like crazy. I've never seen anybody do this. And then what he said is, but the next day the headline would be Jon Stewart destroys, Jon Stewart obliterates, Jon Stewart this, Jon Stewart that. And he said, I got sick of it because I wasn't trying to destroy anything. I wasn't trying to obliterate anything. I was just trying to share the information with people. And I think that, especially under the Obama administration, uh, people got really comfortable with these long-winded, you know, monologues, there's no other word for them, uh, you know, from the left, you know, usually men standing up and saying these really smart, well-researched things. But at the end of the day, it only gets boiled down to a headline that makes us us, all of us look combative and bratty, frankly. And, you know, it fueled a huge uh, viewership on Fox News. This is what people don't ever want to talk about. But because because of the way we shared our own content, it made us look like children. Like, (laughs) and that's, we've been infantilized. What am I saying? Infantilized? No, that's right. Yeah, you got it. Great. Thanks, guys. We infantilized ourselves, essentially. And it to uh, to from the perspective of the right so to speak right and you can see a lot of that rhetoric just turn on the news you'll on fox news you'll you'll see it right away and so i think that one of the things that saturday night live did is really really canonized this for 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 the you know from an oppositionary point of view and it, it it made us look stupid it makes us look stupid and that's not a mistake to kind of add to Adam's point, in my opinion. Yeah, I don't I don't think it's a mistake at all. And I actually, in terms of news or in terms of television networks, there's only one television network that is anti-Trump, and that is CBS. CBS yeah. is vehemently anti-Trump. The Good Fight is not only the best show on television, but it is also the only very blatantly anti-Trump show on television. But other than CBS, like ABC, the creator of Blackish bailed on ABC and went to Netflix because he wanted to do an anti-Trump episode. And ABC was like, 
That's not our business model right now, bub. And they let the creator of one of their most popular shows walk because he wanted to do an anti-Trump episode. Like, that's what really concerns me is people seem to still have this idea that the media is not on Trump's side. And yeah, they are. Like, even if they talk like they're not, they're talking like they're not for ratings purposes. And the problem is, is that both sides are saying in their own way that the media isn't on Trump's side. That's to me, the scarier part is that he has harnessed that narrative specifically um, and, and empowered it for his base. Meanwhile, neutering (laughs) our side of the conversation, our side, I hate saying it that way because I don't, I'm just a person. I drive a Honda Accord. Like, I don't want to. Oh, oh, you drive a Honda Accord? It's a 2008 Honda Accord. What is this? That's what, that's what a person drives. I'm a person. I'm a person. Wow. I'm not, you know. What did a Honda Accord ever do to you, Danger? I mean, she's talking about it like that's what, that, she's a real person. And that's the kind of car that a, a oh, real okay. person drives. A real drives. person drives. Because yeah. I, yeah, I, I thought you were going down that path of like when Kanye West on that song said, <laughs> what you think I rap for to push a fucking Rav Four? That's like what did a Rav Four ever do to you? That's a perfectly no, I'm reliable just, car. Just, Adam, I'm, just, I'm a real person. I drive. I drive a Honda CRV. I'm a real person. Oh, Chevy I Malibu. Loved, I loved. I loved my CRV. Um, and then it got rear-ended twice in two weeks. Um, <laughs> Adam, remember that? I was there. You really inconvenienced that girl who needed to go exercise by letting her rear-end your car. No, that car accident in two weeks that was in your parking lot yeah that girl was so impatient she was Danger, like i have a she, spin class she's like well you shouldn't car. have hit a car she hit my car and adam and carrie were there to witness this she literally jogged in place while i was talking to her to keep her heart rate up. <laughs> all right that's multitasking it's a stressful it was, situation it was one of the most bizarre things i was like oh my god did we find eliza lamb like what's going on <laughs> like, it was a unique experience that's for it sure was so weird anyway i'm just trying to say like i don't want to ever presume that i'm speaking on behalf of anyone i can only speak on behalf of myself so i don't want to say like our side because i think what the left comprises of i don't even want to say the left the people that don't like trump compri- is comprised of so many different things yeah you know, and, you know, Danger, you've done a good job of articulating what that means. And I think right now the goal is to just try to get him out of office. And I am comforted in seeing that everybody's kind of looking at each other being like, this seem, we got to do this. Like, <laughs> we've got to get this guy out because it's just getting worse and crazier. Like, I don't know how we get through another four years if the guy gets elected. Yeah, that's, I don't. that's the thing. I, I talk about how, oh, well, thing, are things really going to change if Trump is voted out of office but here's the thing he definitely deserves to be voted out of office like that yes. that is yeah that is beyond dispute like 115,000 Americans if, dying from a preventable disease if for no other reason than vengeance Trump <laughs> deserves a landslide loss in 2020 I hope he loses so bad it fucking gives him COVID again like COVID I, induced loss. And I even died. like we did Caitlin and I did that pretty scary episode about Trump getting COVID. And I was like, oh, this is a bad thing. Like it's it's if he dies in office, it's not gonna be good for the country. But what I should have added to that is that it would make me feel good. Like, <laughs> like Yeah, we don't we get a whole lot of catharsis. Uh I mean like I just want to see the people elect- opposed no. to Trump have not I, had a lot of catharsis. 
I want to see him get elected out. I want him to know. Yeah, that would be ideal. That he is not welcome. That's what I want more than anything in the world. What would have been ideal is if the opposition party had put together uh, an impeachment process based on he's breaking laws not All just this them. Russian thing, like there's some credibility no. to the Russian problem or whatever. There's a lot of questions about the Russian problem, whatever. The dude breaks laws every day, hatch acts, emoluments clause. He doesn't care and no one's stopping him. And the opposition party is like, well, you know, we believe in, in decency. It's Diane Feinstein hugging Lindsey Graham at oh. the at the at the the confirmation hearing because you know what? At the end of the day, we're all Americans. Shut up! Yeah. That American doesn't think I'm an American or that American thinks he's more American than I am. And therefore, I deserve less of the, the voting franchise. I mean, what we were really supposed to talk about today was because there's so much to talk about is the Republican Party systematically destroying the voting process in America to benefit themselves. They want yes. to be a minority rule party because in all fairness, as soon as uh, as soon as the Voting Rights Act passed in 65, like that was it, man. Like there was there's millions of people who were given the vote. And numerically, there was never going to be a situation in which a conservative mindset, a, a politics of exclusivity was going to appeal to a majority of Americans. So the only thing they can do, the only way to keep the Republican project alive is to deny people their rights. So they've been, they've 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 disenfranchised felons. They've they've pumped up the the idea that felons shouldn't vote. And there's there's all these things that should be felonies. You know, like all of these people who need to go to jail and stay there. You know, disproportionately black and brown. But you know, we don't have to get into that. Um, there's all this gerrymandering shit of like, let's draw these. I'm in a voting rights law class right now. Okay, gerrymandering. There gerrymandering. we go. That leads me to a question for you or Caitlin, either of you. Doesn't it seem like voter suppression has been happening since eh, like 2004? Like there were so many weird quirks about George Bush getting reelected. And we as a country were just like, that's a conspiracy theory. Shut up. And no, it wasn't. No, it goddamn was not. Ohio's the fucking person in charge of the elections in Ohio in 2004 was on Bush's campaign team. And there was so much weirdness about him winning Ohio. And we were just like, "Eh, what are we going to do? It's always weird when a Republican wins. Like when that's what we do when an election happens in another country and things seem off, (laughs) we're the first ones to be like, well, we're not recognizing that election. We don't Uh recognize that leader. But when it happened here, most of us were just like, what can we do? And like, we should have been in the goddamn streets then. But yeah, the, the, we the, weren't. And the now Democratic we Party, the Democratic Party is all about like, you know, the politics of inclusivity. But like, let's do it in a way that appeals to, you know, we just try to be nicer than everybody else. And oh, oh no, you're breaking all the rules. Well, you shouldn't. And I'm going to appeal to your sense of I'm going to appeal to your values and your morals while you strip away millions of people's rights. I'm going to be um, I'm going to be honest. I think the thing that really hinders us when it comes to maybe looking into election irregularities and things of the like is the way we've demonized the phrase conspiracy theory in this country. 
Because once you're talking about, oh, did George Bush steal that election? Most of America is going to be like, that's a conspiracy theory. Shut up. And well, I don't I don't know if it's about demonizing the theory so much as people defaulting to that phrase because they feel uncomfortable in a conversation. Well, people use that phrase to dismiss ideas they don't agree with. Yeah, well, they'd find another way to dismiss your idea. I I think that my point is that just like you're not wrong. I don't disagree with how with what you're saying. I just think that it's important to have a phrase out there that exists for crazy things. We do need a bucket for that. So maybe we, we, we don't call it a conspiracy anymore, but maybe we think of a different one. Well, we absolutely we need a phrase for stuff like that. But is it any crazier? Like, like we accept that if you just believe every conspiracy theory you're pre- presented with, you're kind of a crazy person. Like there's no I, way I just think you're stupid. There's no way. Okay. Stupid, crazy, whatever. But there's no <laughs> way every conspiracy theory is true. But is it any more rational to dismiss every conspiracy theory because no, people call it a conspiracy yeah. theory? That's, that's, that's the exact get... same thing. I know. There's a really it... great graphic going around that I, I must've retweeted at some point. Somebody made a, uh, um, a, the, 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 pier- the inverted pyramid. Let's talk about it. I fucking hate it so much, but go. Oh, Sure. Yeah. No, I mean, there's like the at the bottom of the pyramid, it's like this is these are real. Uh, there's there's factual things, but it's still getting dismissed as uh, conspiracy about some things like Cointel Pro and uh, MK Ultra, like stuff that there's factual like we know these things happened. But OK, so why is people. Elvis lives in the science denier section? That's oh, denying I, that I the don't... witness protection program exists. Like no one's saying Elvis is still alive, but the chances of Elvis entering witness protection instead of having died in the 70s are astronomical. Is there that the only reason FB- you don't like this pyramid? There are FBI files about Elvis testifying against a smuggling ring that stole a goddamn airplane from him. And the day after he died, five of those motherfuckers were indicted. And went to prison for a long time. So what do we always say about people who snitch? What's going to happen? They're going to die. They're going to get killed. So what do you do to prevent that? You enter witness protection. Elvis was at the end of his fucking run. He was in his 40s. He loved justice. And he had been wronged. And if you look at the FBI files on Elvis, a lot of it is still classified on national security grounds. Why? 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 What does Elvis have to do with national security unless he entered witness protection? But in that fucking pyramid, which I don't even know who that person is who made it. But yeah, someone tweeted that at me and was like, I'd love to hear a conspiracy episode about this. Man, fuck that pyramid. I'm not talking anything about it except right now. Okay. I I mean. Yeah, I liked it too. I think you can make a good argument for <laughs> moving moving one from ca- from one I, category I think, to another one. I think I think the problem is at the end of the day, what well not at the end of the day, but we're wanting everyone to take a little bit uh, well, actually a lot more personal responsibility. Yes, yes, yes. Thank you for so, making this point. So this is this is the frustrating part because there are people on both sides respectively that don't want to take personal responsibility for mm-hmm. anything. And we rest on our laurels because, you know, for the most part, we're comfortable. We're, you know, we're, we're, we're basically okay. We're whatever. But the thing is, there is a supremacy on both sides for being okay. 
we are all exhausted about pretending to be okay right now. And yeah. that is why I feel like we've got some hope. But, you know, the difference between a conspiracy and a, a, a process of inquiry, Adam, is somebody actually looking into things. And that, I, I don't want, I, I'm not a cynical person. I, I really like, I try really hard not to be. <laughs> I, I but try you also every think, day. But you also think like nine people control the world. But I also think nine people control the world because that, that is the highest level conspiracy theory there is. I know because of what you're saying, which is most people don't look into things. <laughs> so I think that the thing that makes the most sense, logically speaking, is that those are the those are the things about people that are taken advantage of the most. It's it's I don't even want to call it cons- complacency. It's approximation to information being confused for being informed. That's the wow. scary part. Yeah, well done. People think they're informed. They have been told that they're informed. They are told every day by the outlets that they pick, hey, you right there, you might not have it all. You might not got you might not have gotten to where you want to get, but you found us and we speak the truth. We're part of that. <laughs> like right now, making this podcast. We're all part of that on some level. The well, human condition that- is to have a perspective. Absolutely. A hundred percent. And, you know, when, if, if, if democracy is, is, is participated in by people that are informed and making decisions based on real choices and real information, that's the only hope we have. And I'm sorry, but rock bottom is a college education and a lot of people are about to hit rock bottom. (laughs) I really want to expand on a point you made earlier, Caitlin, talking about a majority of people just want to be left alone, don't want to take responsibility for them. That's not necessarily, I mean, first of all, you're 100% right. A majority of people just want to carry on with their lives. Yeah. Um, like I, I work at the County of Riverside's planning department and I have to go in every Tuesday and Tuesdays are the days that the Board of Supervisors meet. And so every day there's uh, a, a very large group of true believers waving Trump flags and not wearing masks uh, who go in and say that like, this is the worst, this is this is worse than slavery. And these white people comparing being asked to be mildly inconvenienced for the sake of other people's lives to the worst crime uh, in, on U.S. soil. Yeah, that we can ever. Second worst crime. Yeah, but it's like, pretty bad. But like those people can only show up because they have time and because they are dedicated to this idea that yep. they know the truth and no one else does. And so like, but that's a, that's not necessarily, uh, you know, a, a, a condemnation of those people. It's nope. that like our society, American society trains us to be not to be disengaged. We're, we are trained to worry more about ourselves, worry more about our work, worry more about like, just like you can't have it all. So you need to get your own, you know, you got it. You got to get what for you. And like this. So the idea of like working as a collective and working as a community and involving yourself in like, like ideas of care that come from like, again, we're all parents here. Like if I could live in a building with a daycare in the center so that I could work or I could, you know, I could live, live my life, you know, one day out of the seven, uh, like yeah. that would be terrific. You know, if the state paid for 
um, a, or if the state subsidized a, a large building just for parents of small children, um, like again, we're talking about new kinds of housing. Like, I don't, I don't think the revolution is going to happen until people start asking themselves on a daily basis, how do I feel? Because, and what can I do about it? Not just what do I, how do I feel? Because yeah, yes, but, there is but, a, a. But we have to start there. Are you, are yeah. you paying into a system every day that makes you exhausted, sad, and angry? Are you? Yeah. Because if I that's into how it. you live. If that's how you live, there's something wrong. And that's what happened to me. I had my nervous breakdown and realized that I was working in a job every day I hated. I was around people that made me worse. I wasn't around my husband. And then when I did get home, we were both exhausted and we were barely making rent. And I was being told that I should be able, I should be thankful for this life yeah. because I look at you. You did a good job. You got you got a job in in Newport Beach. That's where fancy people are all the time. So you should feel really really good about that. And hey, you know what? Also, you're you're a sort of good looking person. So that's great. You have that going for you. You should make fun of people that aren't as pretty as you because you know that's awesome. And and never once did anybody ever look at me and say, are you, do you have joy in this life? Because oh. I, it sounds really cheesy, but yeah. honestly, you look at these Trump people and they're so angry and they're so sad. They look like hemorrhoids. They're all bright red. They're, they're wearing <laughs> weird outfits. You know, like, They are sad people. And, you know, it's like, I honestly feel that if somebody just asked them, like, are you okay? They would say no. <laughs> I don't think they're happy. And then that whole mindset has 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 taken control of that anger and put it on things. And they've been told, this is why you're angry. This is yeah. why you're upset. Because at the end of the day, they're going against what should be America. And if we could just be left alone to work, work it well, you would be happy. But the truth is it's, it's, it's stacked against them. And if, if we keep eating away at, at Americans, I mean, the thing I keep saying is like, you can't die from COVID twice. Okay. At a certain point, somebody in this, everybody's going to lose someone of this thing if we don't get it under control. And what's going to happen when that happens? It's, it's an interesting thought. Like, do you have joy? If your answer is no, then fix it. Yeah. You deserve that. Yeah. You deserve I deserve it. I don't know if we can put it all on that, though. Like, I do, because I well, think there that is, once yeah, you start Yeah, of course there's some personal responsibility, well, but there's but also start, some responsibility on the part of the actual government. Absolutely. Like, it's uh, but not I, but, but just going to come from fixing yourself. To what they have to fix saying, themselves, too. But we can't keep voting for these people. And if we don't care about ourselves and we don't love ourselves, we're not going to value other people enough to listen to the other side and vote for people that are below us or or, or downtrodden. If we don't see value in other people, which is, I think, our biggest problem right now, mm. then, of course, someone like Trump is going to be someone that's appealing to you because he's reflecting back to you everything that you believe. Screw the little guy. I don't want to hear that emotional bullshit. Shut up. You know, you're just whining. That's we're getting, we're seeing what these people are being told every day. And no, you're right. The, the government of course deserves to be held accountable, but we're not electing people or being passionate enough to elect people that want to engage in a government like that. And we, we, we've forgotten our power. We can do that. We can care. And that's what I think. I just, I've had too much coffee. I don't think that person is going to come from, the Republican or Democratic Party. Like, I agree. I, I just don't. I think Republicans and Democrats both, no matter how progressive they talk or seem, you've signed up to an ideology when yeah. you decide, oh, I'm a Republican politician or I'm a 
Democrat politician. You've signed on to an ideology that is not going to change just because you want it to. Like, it's going to, like, we need more choices. We need to overhaul how we handle elections. Until we do that, we, we're not going to be able to elect the right people. Yeah, because we Very only- much so. It, it can't be just voting because the voting no. process is fatally flawed. Like the, one, of the, one of the things came up in your notes, Adam, came up in my class on Monday, in the voting rights class, uh, where the governor of Texas decided, you know what? Uh, we don't want multiple mail-in drop boxes being made yeah. available to the public. So you get one per county. Harris County, uh, which has Houston in Texas, what was that, like four or five million people or so, have one place they can take their ballot to to drop it off. And so when you like when you hear like, oh, just vote, you know, vote, vote. But like it can't just be voting because it is a flawed system. It's got to be. All right. Voting is the minimum of what you need to do to make real change and to find that joy. And there's joy to be found in the public process and to in, in, in community. And if people are provided the means or, or find within themselves to go out into uh, to, to go out and, and, and fight for the things they believe in, yeah. there's a lot of joy to be found in that, which is, I will push back a little bit, uh, Caitlin, on you saying like, look at these Trump people, they're all so miserable. There are a lot of people in that camp who love one another, who believe yeah. that they're the real Americans. They've found that joy in each other. It's just predicated on the system of, first, we need to acknowledge that we are Americans and those people aren't. Well, and, but I think that kind of thinking is mutually exclusive to what joy is. So I disagree. Um, it, it's it's going to have the same physiological talking, and biological result in these people's brains. No, I, I totally disagree. And what you're talking about is community. And that's where a lot of this power and scary stuff comes from. And in that respect, I do agree with you. I mean, look, I was an evangelical Christian. I remember how this worked. Worked. <laughs> I, I I was part of all of that. And was I happy? No. Did I belong? Yes. Was I told I was awesome for saying and doing the things I was doing? Sure. So there is a reward system in that. But I spent all of my days thinking the world was against us. And no, that's not joy. It's just not. Yeah. Yeah. Let's talk about voter suppression, because that's a big mm-hmm. aspect yeah. of this election. It's so scary. It's so scary. And it's a long project. It's gone on for hundreds yeah. of years. It's just yeah. reared its head in different ways. Yeah. Yeah. The the way it's rearing its head here in California is the Republican Party of California has put up all of these essentially fake ballot drop boxes that at first were labeled official ballot drop boxes. And then they had to take that off of the boxes. And like so many people have been like, this is illegal. Like you can't Mm -hmm. do this. And the California Republican party response was, yeah, we're gonna though. Like, yeah. What are you going to do? We're going to prove voting fraud is real by committing voting fraud. And therefore it's real. Like one big takeaway from today, everybody is uh, the Republican project, the conservative project trying to suppress the vote. Anytime you hear the word voter integrity, red flag goes up. Yeah. Because what they're saying is we need to deny, we need to discount, we need to discredit uh, some of these votes that are being cast coincidentally yep. against the things that we want to do. Like voter integrity is not as they're shaping it up, but that's that's the, the rhetorical argument that they're making and successfully making in a lot of these places. 
you know, is because happening voting, su- voting Oof. suppression, not necessarily because people sign up for it, but because the voting system has been engineered so that politicians get to pick their constituents and not the other way around. You know, yeah. the Democrats continue to get more votes than their opponents, you know, on a, and like if you back out and look at it from the aggregate. In 20, what was it, 2012, you know, uh, Democratic, the, the, the down ballots races were on balance. There's just more votes for Democrats. But because the Republicans got to get on those commissions and, and engineer their voting systems to favor their party, there were just more seats made up uh, from uh, the for the Republican Party. And the Democrats did not have a response to that. So I think that, yeah, like we look, we need to get Biden in office and then immediately start pushing. But a huge that like we can't have a Green New Deal. We can't have Medicare for all. We can't have the things we need until we acknowledge that our voting process is fundamentally broken. Yep. Yeah. That so, I that I agree with a hundred percent, guys. Yeah. There's no there's no doubt. And it's it to me it's the it's the most disgusting miscarriage of of what we let me ask you guys the question. Do you think that the right is predominantly made up of people that trust their leaders more? Does that question make sense? Because well, I feel like I think the easier way to say it is like the the people people say, you know, the left kind of is known for attacking itself more yeah. than the right is. So is that true? I, I have such a hard time making sense of this. There's there are a, different theories of power. Like well, the, Demo- the politics of inclusivity is let's give everyone a say. And necessarily there's going to be some static and, in, in, you know, a disagreement. And the politics of exclusivity is only these people really deserve a say. And necessarily, yeah, like if if your if your purpose is power, you're going to I mean, again, look at the Republicans. Not everybody wanted Trump like the party insiders didn't want Trump in 2015 until they realized that, oh, no, uh, we've we've hobbled ourselves so much in the rhetorical game. We've tea partied it up and we've we've suppressed the vote. We've demonized our opponents that this is our guy now. And you know what? We got to go along with it. Well, it's not just that. There's a book that I mention all the time on this podcast. We just did an episode a few weeks ago, the three books that explain Donald Trump. And there's a book that has been out there in the world for over a decade now called The Authoritarians. And it is a science-based book. This guy before Trump, way before we even knew what a Trump supporter was, this guy named Bob Altemeyer, he was a professor at the University of Manitoba. He, for like 15 years, would give incoming freshmen this survey that was meant to determine how susceptible people are to following an authoritarian leader. And what that book reveals, and I cannot stress enough that everyone, there's actually a new version of it called Authoritarian Nightmare. That is specifically about Trump. But there is just a segment of society, not just in the United States, all around the world, not just on the right, also on the left, that crave an authority figure. They like that is what they want in their life is a powerful leader to follow. And once they once they find it, nothing you can say to them will undo their belief in that leader. And that's kind of where we are, like not every Trump supporter, but that is where we are with Trump supporters. I think you're right. He just has this army of people who are going to gravitate toward a leader like him. 
Yeah. And if you look back right. on the, the 2016 campaign, there was this point where all these articles were going around where they were like, the Trump campaign is targeting one specific type of person. And if you read that article, that's who they were targeting. Because yeah. once they have those people on their side, those people will take to the streets and shoot motherfuckers if mm-hmm. Trump loses. Yeah. Like well, that's, that, I think everybody's scared about that. I think yeah. that's a very real, real reality. I mean, there, we're, we're already having to take to the Supreme Court the idea that people shouldn't wear camo and hold AR-15s outside of polling stations. Yeah. You know, like there, there's a I, I think my law professor is involved in that lawsuit um, uh, because we don't need like <laughs> I mean, first of all, you get into the the definition of a militia. A militia is well-regulated. It's run by the government. That's what it's supposed to be. All these people, you know, putting on the uh, the, the – they're the, the Spartan symbols and the Punisher symbols and, and getting their AR-15s going on the streets. And you're not a militia. No, you're, you're, a, you're a bunch of thugs. Yeah. Like you, you have political motivation to your thuggery, but it is thuggery nonetheless. You are not a militia because you are not being put together by the – you are not sanctioned by the U.S. government. Yeah, this uh, is what I mean by people thinking they're informed versus actually being informed. Yeah. They, 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 they look at something and go, I'm that. I mean, I wish it worked that way because I have magazines filled with with supermodels. And I just, <laughs> that's me. But here I am in my yoga pants. You look, and you, you look great. You look great. You, yeah. Thanks, dude. Yeah, it's, tr- it's very early in the morning and you're still pretty well put together. I... Thank you for that. No, yeah. I'm doing fine. It's okay. Adam, you, you too. You look great. Adam, Adam you look beautiful. It's yeah. 1015. It's not that early. I woke up at six. We had to record an episode of this podcast at 5 a.m. once because. We, oh, yeah. I remember that one. We interviewed a musician named Frank Turner, who's fucking great. And shout out to him for being on our podcast. But he's also in England. So yeah. like to make that work. The one oh, time I'm... Vanessa Gritton ever showed up on time for a podcast. <laughs> Was the time well, we recorded at five a.m. It blew my mind. That makes sense. I'm I'm up at like four thirty or five every day though. That's yeah, my, I get up pretty early. That's my deal. That's my deal. Adam, I, I got a comment. Is that is that a, a shirt that says in the font of Black Sabbath, Black Lives Matter? It sure is. That's a terrific shirt, sir. Shirt. That's a great shirt. It it was shortly after the George Floyd murder. Black Sabbath put these shirts up on their <gasps> website, and all the proceeds go to Black Lives Matter. Yeah, they're fucking get, great. I love this shirt you get so the, much. The coolest swag out of anyone I know. Like you, you are like like you're not a stuff person. Like you don't have a you don't have like a house filled with 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 shitty stuff. It is curated. I Even make, your he's got that yeah. fucking doll. I know stairs. No, Robert's like important. Robert, uh, you, you got to talk to Robert. Otherwise, we're cursed. Oh, it, I keep forgetting Robert is in the trunk of my car. I need Adam, to... get that thing out of your car. Yeah. You, you're already you, cursed, bro. I mean, shouldn't I, at this point, I should leave him in my car so the curse doesn't get out of my trunk. Can you just put him in a lake somewhere? Wow. And then he'll, and then he's a young boy, Danger. You're a father. Why would you talk this way? I feel like it's a doll. No, it's, it's, if you put that doll in the water, everyone's going to drown. Everyone in America. (laughs) Yeah. The water would be poisoned. (laughs) Hey, everybody. This is Adam, host of the podcast you're listening to. Just a heads up that if you want to hear this podcast and everything else the Unpops Network puts out completely free of annoying ads like this, head to patreon.com slash unpops or unpopsnetwork.supercast.tech and subscribe 
for a very low price, you get everything we put out as a network completely ad-free, plus a whole lot of bonus episodes that you can't hear anywhere else. Again, that's patreon.com slash unpops or unpopsnetwork.supercast.tech. To figure out which of those two is the right option for you, head to unpops.com slash subscribe. Thanks. We love you. Let's get back to the show. Let's talk about a, another kind of low-key way the Trump administration is suppressing the vote in 2020, and that is through something called denaturalization. It's exactly what it sounds like. If you're a naturalized citizen, they want to strip your citizenship away. And this is a tactic that used to be reserved for like Nazis and war criminals yeah. where yeah. like we'd find out they got citizenship and then it's like, oh, no, you were you were no, in you Dachau, gotta go. bub. You got to get no, out of here. Is that the legal definition of pulling your card? But yeah. Okay, thank you. The Obama administration at one point extended denaturalization to this group of dudes who were involved in like a child porn ring. And I tell people all the time, that's where we test out our most extreme justice tactics is on pedophiles first. And then if no one complains, we're like, all right, let's move it to just minor criminals next. That's the problem is nobody's going to (laughs) complain. Yeah. That's the problem. And we're, we're kind of laughing about that being the problem, but that, is the problem right no because here's the thing state if you're an american citizen and you commit a crime and then go to jail and serve your sentence you've done your job like that like no matter what your crime was you've served your penalty and when obama made this move to denaturalize these dudes of course everyone was like yeah man fuck pedophiles but then trump when he got in office won set up a denaturalization task force to find more cases like this. And the first case they prosecuted was this grandma from like Honduras who at one point worked at a company where the CEO pulled off this massive tax fraud scheme. And she was working there at the time. And all she did was like, she would like fill out contracts and like, she's a secretary. She didn't know what she was filling out. But once this all came crashing down, the FBI approached her and was like, look, we could send you to prison for being involved in this. How about you just plead out, you'll get probation, and it'll be fine. And she was like, yeah, sure, whatever. A few years later, she gets a letter from the Department of Justice that says, hey, you didn't disclose that crime you were involved in on your citizenship application. So now we want to strip your citizenship and send you back to where you came from. And man, that is a steep cliff from pedophile. If you go from pedophile to secretary, grandma who unknowingly participated in a tax scheme. Is this the, is this the insurance, the fake insurance? No. Uh, to, okay. It's something else. Okay. No, this Sorry, was, I was tr- this, the, the crime she was involved in wasn't a major thing. It, it didn't like make news and she had no reason to, and, and the thing is she wasn't convicted of it before she applied for citizenship. She was convicted after. But the government decided, well, that scheme was happening while you applied for citizenship and you didn't tell us. So now you're not a citizen anymore. And it went from pedophiles to her to the Trump administration by 2017. We're reviewing 315,000 cases to find more examples like that grandma. And that is obviously going to disproportionately impact black and brown people who are more likely to vote for Trump and 
it's just another, like there are so many ways the Republicans are trying to suppress the vote in 2020. It's fucking terrifying. That's very scary. I don't even know how to say, what to say to that. Yeah, I, this, this question was brought up or our our feeling in that moment of hearing that just now was brought up in class on Monday. And it, it was like, what do you do to not lose hope? What do you do to, 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 to keep moving forward, even if you're losing? Because they lost, like when the Supreme Court stripped the Voting Rights Act, the enforcement rubric, uh, uh, what's called preclearance out of the Voting Rights Act in 2013, because John Roberts decided, yeah, we got a black president, racism must be over. Like sure. the most insa- one of the most insane decisions uh, in Supreme Court history. Um, like, that came up in class and uh, our professor was like, look, everything that you do, every case that you that you push, every argument you make creates precedent. And just because there are people in, in, in power right now who want to strip your rights and, and you know, and uh, diminish your abilities to participate in the government and in society in on this on this earth, uh, that doesn't mean it's going to be that way forever. And you have to cons- continually make the case uh, because eventually those arguments are going to get drawn on. You will have created the precedent that you need and you will get the the case and the, the judge and the circuit court uh, who are willing to hear it and hear it for what it is and not just as a, as a political maneuver. Um, and, and that in that moment, that's, you know, it, it's that the wheel of justice Grinds very slowly, but especially fine. The arc of justice uh, is, oh God, what's the MLK quote? Uh, long, but bends bends towards, bend, whatever, bends towards truth. Like, it sucks when we're in the moment and we're living it. I think that's it. what MLK said. Sucks. Yeah, it sucks. He was sitting in that mirror. Uh, yeah, well, and then he scratched that. I was like, all right, in let quotes, me write something. I can do better. Empire, hyphen in, in MLK. Nation. I can do better. I can do better. He, and he did do better. Letter from a yeah, Birmingham yeah. jail. I'm yeah, sure yeah. it started with like F these people, boo, and then scratched it out and, you know, made a doodle and like, you know what? I'm going to inspire a nation with this. Um, but like, just because we keep losing doesn't mean that we, that, that we're lost. And, oh, and like, when we, like, when I, when I ran for office, like one of the, one of the, the things I, I drew on, I was like, when we win, we're going to win harder and more deeply than any fake fucking billionaire uh or 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 fascist ar-15 toten you know that then they they can comprehend and like look a lot of our victories are going to be incremental and they're going to be not what we need and we have to keep going like i'm talking about i I just cast a ballot for joe fucking biden who (sighs) told me Me who told me i have no i have no empathy for young people said that the, the green new deal whatever you know, like he's not the guy who's who's going to go out of his way to get the things that I need. But it's going to it, while simultaneously acknowledging this person's flaws, I'm going to continue pushing for major changes, you know, because when we do win, it's going to change. Like when our generation gets yes. the keys, uh, when we when the when the, the 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 older generations have finally departed this mortal coil, the 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 the. the in, in trans the intergenerational like i can't understand what you're going through because i didn't go through it like why don't you and your wife just buy a starter house out in really far away and uh you know that you put in your time it's like well because 
home prices are doubled what they were 20 years ago. Uh, and because at the same time, I have student loan debt that your generation didn't have to worry about because Ronald Reagan came along in the 60s and decided, you know, a lot of my political opponents are coming out of the uh, out of higher education. We should uh, completely strip education funding, make it so that either you can protest or you can get the job to pay off the debt you need to get the to get the degree. Uh, I, f- I feel like that's a little idealistic thinking that this is just a generational thing like uh to paraphrase no you're to paraphrase michael jordan republicans have kids too and they raise their kids according to their ideals like me look at fucking megan mccain on the well like look at fucking megan mccain on the view she's young like she's she's rich right but and there's not okay there's not gonna be as many rich people moving forward so you think every young poor person doesn't support they're gonna have a different no, they're going to have a different perspective. That's going to inform. I'm not some, saying that like just some of yes, them some, will have a different perspective over time. And well, what's the alternative? Some, we give up. I don't understand what you're saying. Adam. No, I, I just think it's, He's saying it's kind of idealistic to assume that once all the old people die, things will be better. There well, have been I mean, old people for like it, this isn't to gonna a grassroots be, politician. Of course, he's idealistic. Well, yeah, but I'm saying that's not the best thing. Like, it's not like it's, it's not, not the best gonna, thing. It's also not the only thing. Adam. It's not going to be that simple. Like, Who said, no, I don't think it's going to be simple. Like, we're not going to change this. I personally don't think we're going to change this on an individual level. It's going to take a fucking revolution that undoes the way we handle politics in this country. Until we do that, Republicans, Democrats are going to have a stranglehold on this country mm-hmm. like what they do now. What we need is a political revolution. We do. We do. Yeah, that's why no, I was I'm... so fucking bummed that Bernie Sanders didn't get the nomination. Like, that's what we needed. Like, I'm bummed that the Republicans murdered Paul Wellstone in 2002. Like, having him in office, maybe having him run for president in 2004 would have helped. Like, it's a huge bummer. But but I think that there is a political revolution brewing. I think that's exactly yeah. what we're seeing the, the beginnings of. And it's painful and it's not fun. And until people are moved into spaces of discomfort, nothing changes. And I think that we are beginning to feel uncomfortable. I mean, you know, it's funny. I, I've shared this multiple times on a couple different shows on this network. But, you know, I've had five open heart surgeries. I, I have had five of them. And it's always so funny to me because people say, oh, my God, you're so brave. You're so- <laughs> Caitlin, what choice you're so do you bra- have? Yeah. Exactly. Well, that's <laughs> my point is at a certain point, you don't have a choice. And I think people are being brought to that point. And I, because I've been that person many times, I feel like when people are down to very few options, big change happens. Is it, are, are, is everyone going to assimilate to the right side of history? No, that's what makes it a revolution. But I mean, we are, we're, I have faith that, that, you know, to the whole Martin Luther King thing that (laughs) the danger was talking about. Yeah. Oh yeah. It sucks. It sucks. And uh, it's also going to be really hard. And, uh, but I, I, I don't think that that means it's simple. I think the hardest decisions to make are hard to make, but easy to see. So I think that that's kind of at the center of the things that we're talking about here. Yeah, it's complicated, but the decisions are, are fairly straightforward of what needs to happen. I just, I, I think, I think there's hope. 
I think that, you know, this COVID thing changed everything. It changed the world. It changed the way yeah. the world saw America also. And yeah. that's a big deal. It, and there's one one more thing I want to jump out of my, I want to hear your point, but the one thing about hope is that we can create it. Exactly. We, we through our effort by, by putting it by, yes, casting a ballot, but then w- putting in work and effort after the fact we can create hope. Well, I don't, I, I don't want hope. I want change. Like, <laughs> yes, it's great if we all have hope, but do we, here's my thing. I don't, I don't think, think you get change without hope or, or, or motivation. Well, yeah, to try. of course. But I think a lot of people want change. I don't believe that most of the government and most of our elected officials want that change. Absolutely not. You're right. And that I agree with our, yeah. our traditional voting methods are not going to get those people out of power. No. Like it's going to take more than that. So yeah, I mean, I, I have hope that it'll change. Obviously I just, I feel like people are putting too much trust in our current political system, they which are. has proven it's, it's, yeah, that's fair. to be highly dysfunctional for decades and decades and decades. And no matter how much hope we have, we're not going to change. Like that's the head of the snake right there. Like you cut that off, then we get change. But as long as if, we're just voting for Republicans or Democrats, like that is two sides of the same coin. Like, right. But I think that what I'm saying, I, I don't disagree with what you're saying at all, but in order for that metaphor of the snake and the head to even happen, it is going to take mass individual change for that to move forward and actually occur. Yeah. And, yeah. and change isn't possible. Listen, in order to make good decisions, you have to start by making decisions from lesser options. That's the way change works, okay? And I think that this this election is exactly the starting point for that. Um, but the truth is that I don't think change is possible until people all individually define what they want, what they want to see, yeah. what they what they want to 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 change. Change, sure. If change means you want to feel better every day, then you're 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 screwed because you can't feel good every day. You can have joy throughout those experiences. I've, I know what I'm talking about, but you're not going to feel good every day. So if you're going to struggle and you're going to push yourself, you may as well be doing it towards something you're clear on. Yeah. <laughs> And that's that's the that's the message I want to offer people. You know, I love what Danger does because he he cares so much that he actually went forward and got his whole world invested in seeing these changes happen. And he's one of the most lighthearted, loving dudes out there. And that's what it's going to take. It's going to take people that you know say, yeah, this is really hard, and we're gonna we're gonna lose, and we're gonna lose, and we're gonna lose until we win, yeah. and we're gonna try. Because if everybody just looks at this situation and says, well, I mean, it's like trying to lose 100 pounds. You know, you're not going to lose 20 pounds in a month. It's just not going to work. That's not how change happens. You're not going to write your screenplay in a montage. You got to write a page every day. And in 90 days, you got 90 pages. But I can jump in real quick. I I, I Before you jump in, I just want to I want to go back to a point Danger made earlier, which is complacency. Like, yes, making our individual changes could lead to a change that, like, gets Biden elected. But then it can't stop there. Like, no, it can't. Cool that we won this time. But this is a cycle we're just going to keep repeating as long yeah, as we you, have you this political just, system. You, that's what you keep replying to me. But what I'm saying is that real change is momentum. I mean, I said the first step is electing Biden. That's what yeah. I said. 
It's the it's, least we can do. It's the it, we are choosing for less from lesser options at the moment, but that's what you have to do in order to progress forward sometimes. And everybody, I remember during the 2016 election, that was the big hang up. Like, well, I'm not going to be cajoled into picking between the lesser of two options. And I watched it happen. <laughs> and I said, well, that's okay. Now we're going to have even lesser options next time. And here we are. <laughs> so, yeah. you know, I think that I stand by what I said. If you don't learn to value yourself and really realize that you're here every day in the moment, then all this other stuff that you're doing, you're still just trying to find external validation. You're looking for the world to make you feel better about yourself. And that's just not what the world's here for. Yeah, That's not what we do. I agree with Um, that. We have to find that within ourselves. And if you can't value yourself, then why, why you're going to turn mothers being separated from their babies at the border as, as, as a cosmetic choice. And I can't think of anything more disgusting than that. Yeah. I, I think we all generally agree on yeah, what we do, what needs to happen. I think we just have varying it's levels a good, of it's a good optimism discussion. about the yeah. outcome. It's a good discussion, though, for people to hear, because I think that I think that right now people are so overwhelmed that they forget that just this one thing, this one conversation about how do we make change happen? You have to take time to think about it. It's you're supposed to wrestle with it. You're it's supposed to be hard. It's supposed to be a holistic dis, you know, moment for a person. It's not just like, you know, a Rocky montage. Yeah, you know? you're, like, you're not going to get what you want out of it immediately either. No, and friendship, which is what the three of us have, it's true, is important. You know, if, you, if you're if you not having these conversations with the people that you care about, I mean, I feel so lucky that I can create, you know, Adam, you've created such an amazing resource for people in our group, you Seriously. know, it, with this network, because I, it makes me feel vital. It makes me feel like it's, I matter on some level. And, you know, and then the, the feedback that I get and the sweet private messages I get from our listeners about vulnerability and caring, it's working. You know, we yeah. all care about each other and it comes through. And that's what people need to realize is we're doing this because we love each other. We're voting for each other. We're all on one side. We're all supposed to be making this country great again because, <laughs> because it matters. It matters for everyone. We vote because we love each other. And I think people forget that. They do it because they're angry. They do it because they're trying to prove a point. They're doing it to make their dad angry or make their dad happy. No, we're voting because we want to give the future something to look forward to. That's what matters here. Yeah. Yeah. Hey, speaking of danger, he brought up a thing earlier that I want to touch on just a little bit, which is poll watchers and how the Trump administration, they are training poll watchers to go and watch the polls on Election Day and during early voting. They're trying to recruit 50,000 volunteers to watch for irregularities with mail-in voting. And my thought on that is, damn, I'm glad I'm voted by mail because yeah. I will smack the shit out of oh, a Trump gonna poll be, watcher. There is and then you'll be, get gut shot. Yep. There's yeah. going to be violence on election day. Oh, yeah. for sure. Positive. And right. after, look, that's and another, after, that's another big thing. We're not going to get the result. We, we want to hear immediately. Trump's oh. going to claim victory because some of the, because initial uh, polling might come in from some States and might be like, or, if it's the other way around, it's like, well, we're losing these states because it's fraud. I mean, he didn't. <laughs> we in California just had some of the biggest fires in our state history. Our state is devastated. 
they and uh, the governor asked for support and Trump's like, no, you know, yeah, you rejected, you yeah. rejected disaster relief. Unbelievable. Yeah, but it's like this is a person who believes in nothing but their own power and growing that power and moving from like worshiper to worshiper. And he's not going to concede like they, the, 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 the Democrats folding up shop on Merrick Garland was like, all you needed to know, of like, OK, they're just going to be like they're, they're just going to let the Republicans completely break the rules and they're fine with that. And then it's not enough to show that they're that they're hypocrites. We know the Republican Party is made up of hypocrites because they care about power. And that's how it has to work. Um, and it, when Election Day comes around, it's not going to get decided clearly. Trump's going to claim victory and the people that he's trained to be militant and violent, and they're going to go into the streets. There's going to be a, a counter protest. Uh, of people demanding a return to normalcy or not a return to normalcy, but like a, a respect for the democratic institutions that we're clinging yeah. on to losing yeah. touch with. So, I mean, like there's, there's definitely, um, I can't, I can't remember what it's called right now. Um, but the uh, look around online for what if there's a coup, because oh. Trump might want a coup and it's scary. I, don't Kayla, think, it's, I think it's, he wants to be done with it. No, 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 no. He will not be done with it. He wants power. How do you get power? How do you keep power? You grow the power you have. If he's going to lose power, he's going to one way or another. There's going to be uh, there's a possibility of a coup and it could happen in America. And what needs to be said now is that coups have been defeated. Coups have been overruled by popular response and and people coming out into the streets and demanding respect for yeah. The, the institutions and for America. And so it's important not to say, you know, fuck you, Trump. It's important to say, I respect America in exactly. these moments. You know, like I, I wish I wish my I respect for. Yes, I wish my respect for America had informed the Democrats uh, putting through an impeachment process that charged him on his crimes and not just ties to Russia and charged him on the emoluments of emoluments clause, charged him on the Hatch Act, like important shit that he's he's flaunting because it benefits him. Uh, but I didn't get that opportunity because we don't have a good Senate. We have a we have an, we have an OK house. Yeah. Um, but, but like as soon as he says, no, 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 I won, then we have to say, you know what? No, I respect America too much. I'm going out in the streets. I'm staying into the streets until this that. guy folds up shop. I yeah. love that. I love that. I, I just but love that. Crimes are the reason I think Trump is not going to give up that easy. I think that I think yeah, it's for sure. yeah, absolutely true. wrong that's, that's that he's. Good point done with this because the minute he leaves office if nothing else the state of new york is going to indict him like that is well, a yeah. like they are chomping at the bit yeah. to biden's fucking not going to hold him accountable dude. but yeah. the rest of the government might biden's not going to fucking pardon him when he leaves office so trump's only alternative is kind of to die in office if he doesn't want to go to prison and it that's the thing that bothered me so much in the 2016 election when people were like, <laughs> checks and balances, though, uh, it's like people like Trump don't care about no, that. They no. don't observe your fucking laws. Nor Mitch McConnell. Right. The, the, the Republican Party is made up of people who obey the law when it suits them, when it when it's and they flaunt the law and they're like, well, we believe in the more America. Yeah. And I think you're you're seeing that with all of these questions that are being 
asked of the Trump administration about, well, what about a peaceful transition to power? You gonna are questions you gonna, we've never in our history had to ask. Yeah. Right. Never in our history had to be like, and like, uh, are you are you going to be okay? Is this going to be okay? Is this going to be a thing? I think the, the yeah, most like that's telling, not normal. I think the most telling response to that was the VP debate where they asked Mike Pence, and he instead of saying yes, he was like, "What about the Russia investigation? Don't we maybe deserve another term because of that?" So like, our 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 current administration is already saying no, we're not. We're not gonna just get out of here peacefully. And that- or, or how about the uh, the the people in Michigan who tried to kidnap the governor, and then the the sheriff was like, "Well, if uh, you know, I, I didn't read into it too much, but uh, I'm gonna cite this really obscure bell of uh, uh, ordinance that says you can arrest. So maybe those maybe those maybe those boys were arresting the governor because there's a lot of people really mad at her for uh, all of the things. That- no, man, that's a coup." That's a coup. Yep. Yeah. And And that's not okay. But you are right that a coup can be put down. I think the best example is Venezuela. When Hugo Chavez was in office in, I think, 2002 or 2003, we, the United States, basically launched a coup against Hugo Chavez. We arrested him. We fucking flew him out of the country. We put our person in place, and the people of Venezuela were like, fuck this we voted for that guy put him back in office and he was back in office like it's gonna take that kind of response from us as americans to resolve this problem like Mm. because like if trump refuses to leave and like i had in here what are our predictions for the election i should say that's mine trump loses but refuses to leave and in that case like what do we do because the obvious answer is we'll send in the military that's their job they have to get that guy out of there but do we trust the military to do that like i don't know i don't yeah trump, i don't trump know has made some major mistakes with the military i will say that he, i he has but he's he also has. got a lot of military support there's a lot of people there's who a lot who, of polling that doesn't necessarily line up with that there, but he, the, he doesn't there need was a lot of polling though. that said trump yeah. was going to get blown out in 2016 too yeah no and i, I say that military polling could possibly be a little bit different than general election polling despite whatever strength of whatever poll i still think there's enough people in every branch of government in every walk of life who have committed themselves to this fraud that they will put their bodies on the line that they will put their lives on the line to ensure that that no it's 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 absolutely possible q is a dry run for like hey how do we get the most fanatical people to believe some really insane stuff so that one day we can just sort of activate them when we need it. Yeah. It's the satanic panic all over again. That's (laughs) what that, that is what QAnon is. It's like the satanic panic. I said this on the last episode, it took down like a hundred, 150 people. How many people are QAnon trying to take down? About a hundred, 150 people. Like you don't need massive support for an effort like that. You just need enough. QAnon is, you need a just enough of the American people to sign off on it to where it's just another partisan thing where Democrats right. will be like, this is an obvious coup. Like, this is the night of the long knives, but in the United States. And right. then Republicans will be like, yeah, they're all satanic pedophiles, though. Right. There's that. If anybody watched The Boys, um, it was like episode three or four of uh, the more recent one. Um, the uh, the Nazi analog. Oh no, it's not Nazi. Spoiler alert: she's real Nazi. Um, she's like, 
talking about interacting with uh, with the public. You know, there, there's this guy Homelander who's trying to get people to love him. You know, and she says, "Look, you don't need fifteen thousand fans. You need five million soldiers." You know, yeah. It just have people who are so dedicated to this cause because they have let it become their identity, um, because they themselves did not have enough of an identity without it. I mean, that's really what what supremacy is all about. It's like I'm not enough of a person by myself. I need to have traits that I was born with be more be and be that, what like that's that's what matters more. And that is exactly what my original point was about, which is until people start understanding that they actually matter, they are fodder for this kind of thing. Yeah. No, it's like I when I in twenty sixteen I was making calls uh for for Sanders and I got a, a young Trump supporter and he's like, man, I just it's, it's such an ugly it's such an ugly time. And or no, I was making calls for the, the local progressive state assembly candidate. He's like, no, I'm, I'm, I'm in Burbank and there's all these people that hate Trump. And the, and I'm afraid I'm like, look, there's there's always I think that we have more in common than we are led to believe by everybody in every social sphere. Yes. We have like the media, the government. They want to keep splitting us up. They want to keep dividing us. I have more in common with the uh with the, the the psychopaths, you know, marching around in AR-15s yep. uh, than they have with Jeff Bezos. Yep. You know, like, I, like I'm not going to say I sympathize with the Nazi mindset, with the American fascist mindset, with the white supremacist mindset. I'm saying that, like, there's a human being inside that can be reached, and we're not going to win 100% of the time. We're not, like, watch American History X. People, people can, people can, yeah. But I mean, like, some- I changed. Oh, okay. I was an evangelical. I marched for a pro-life rally. I went down to Mexico and handed. I, I clowned for Christ. You guys have no idea how deep in I was. I apparently was, not. I was a. I went on a young Republicans field trip to Sacramento. I, I'm telling you. Yeah. Maybe that's why I have so much hope because. That's that's one of the things that frustrated me so much about Bernie Sanders not getting the nomination in 2016. Because, yes, there are rabid Trump supporters who are just objectively racist and bad people. But there were also a lot of Trump supporters who were like, we're in some shady trade deals that we should get out of. And uh, can we fix that? And like Trump supporters and Bernie Sanders supporters on a lot of issues like that, we're perfectly in line. So if we could have put Bernie Sanders up against Trump, I feel like Bernie Sanders would have gotten a lot of those votes that Trump got. I think think almost anybody would have done better than Hillary. When Hillary got the nomination, I was so heartbroken because, as I said, I'm I'm from, I guess, what is now Trump land. And I knew more than more than they supported Trump. I knew how much the right hated Hillary and that was going to mobilize a vote yeah. more than anything. And that's and what did. happened. And then as we got closer to the election, when I saw so many people falling away from the left saying that they were going to vote for a more principled candidate, I knew we were, he was going to win. I just knew yeah. because that's what was going to happen. And I understand a lot of people out there get upset when that gets brought up, but frankly, all I can do is talk about the people that voted. Okay, I can't I can't talk about the people that didn't vote because they didn't vote. <laughs> yeah. well, I mean, that's th- that's such a huge thing, though. There's so many people that don't participate in our process because they don't feel like it's meaningful or they're not reached 
where they are. And that's where the real opportunities for change. I agree. Are. Like, I'm like, so uh, curious about this election. I'm trying to remain in a space of curiosity of yeah. dread. I'm there, trying really hard. Definitely going to be a higher turnout this year than 2016. But I mean, in general, like I'm, I'm getting into this voting rights law law class. I'm, you know, looking into the grassroots, like looking at electoral systems, um, because there are so many people who are just not being reached because they don't feel like their participation will be meaningful and it can be, but we have to incentivize it and we have to reward that. It can't just be to my point about people feeling like they need to matter. This is why I keep saying it because then they'll vote. Yes. (laughs) Well, it it can't just be voting though. It's gotta be more than that. They have to get what they need from the vote. They have to get what they need from the community. But nobody's going to vote if they don't care. Yeah. It frustrates me that, in especially in 2016, and I think a little bit still today, people are like, well, I'm in a red state, so it doesn't matter if I vote. Like, my vote isn't going to count anyway. That's how Trump won. Exactly. He flipped a bunch of blue states. Like, that is such an insane way to think that, well, is. this is how my state's always been, so what, what does my vote matter? That's why your state's always been that way, because you think that way. Get out and fucking vote. What is wrong with you people? There's again, we're operating in a flawed electoral system. Some votes are diluted. Some votes are diverted. Um, But there's also places like uh, Jackson, Mississippi is one of the most exciting places in America right now because they're fundamentally overhauling the way that they're governing. There's a a cooperation economy. Um, Housing is looked at differently. Like, like seriously, like go do a little bit of homework. Look into cooperation, Jackson. Um, New methods of popular participation that involve uh, direct participation and then reward because like people get what they need from it. So, wow. I mean, it's not just like, it's I, not just that. I never it's a thought red... I would say this, but let's move to Jackson, Mississippi. I I, I genuinely want to go on vacation to Jackson and just see, and as just talk woman, to people. As a woman who wants to give birth at some point, you're not going to get me to move to Mississippi. Yeah. You want to talk about, That's true. you want to talk about mortality rates and childbirth. Let's move to Mississippi. So <laughs> not good. I already, I already gave my prediction for how this election I think is going to turn out and I stand by it. I think Trump's going to lose and there's going to be a huge fight to get him out of office. Mm. What are your predictions? And then we'll wrap this up. This has been a very long episode. Thank you both. Good for, one though. For doing Great that. up you guys. Great also, episode. Yeah. I like, I love this conversation. Yeah. This, I is, this is good. I want to encourage everybody to see, this is the other thing. I am especially blessed because I'm surrounded by people that will have challenging conversations with me that will understand that if I push back, it's not personal. It's me trying to get to the idea and actually understand your side more. That's what this is. And I think that a lot of people have forgotten how to have these conversations with people that they care about because they're afraid of hurting people's feelings or creating an argument guys, like this is, this is your life. Like you have to do this. You have to be wrong. Sometimes you have to push your, especially you ladies out there listening, (laughs) you've got to do this. So anyway, ladies, ladies, all the single ladies, all the single ladies. Okay. Um, Speaking of that, ladies, Caitlin, what is your prediction for how this election (laughs) is going to go? I think he's going to lose. And I actually think when he loses, he's going to do the most unprecedented thing 
and like literally leave like before finishing out his term he's gonna turn into this victimized thing and he will seek protection from all of his crimes which are real that way he's gonna mobilize the media and that's how he's gonna try to get out of it danger what do you think all right so before we get into that let's talk about political parties a little bit because (laughs) because there's a point I wanted to make this whole time. Welcome is, to the first three-hour episode of Unpopular yeah, Opinion, everybody. No, like, Who cares? It's fun. What the else point, are doing? The point of a political party <laughs> is to survive. It's not to get anything done. It's not to make any changes. The point is to survive. And we can we can point to that and say, uh, yeah, the Democratic Party in uh, Lincoln's time was the opposition. Uh, they were pro-slavery. Um, and then the Republicans at that point were the more socialist ones. They were the more egalitarian ones. They made a they made a, 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 a coalition that won, coalition that changed and indeed saved America. But then in the 60s, when a Democrat wanted to institute voting rights for blacks, a lot of the Demo- the old blue dog Democrats left the party. It's the, so the polarity switched. Now the progressives were on the Democratic side. Uh, and right now we're coming up, we're talking about these parties who continually plug their ears and, and, and shut people out. But the party itself is changing because like, look, you look at the senators and I think the average age is like 72. You look at the, the House the average age is like 48. Like it's getting, the house is, is getting younger and the people who are getting elected in the house are some of the most exciting, uh, you know, leaders in America right now. Like uh, Rashida Tlaib, Ilan Omar, uh, we got, and we got more. We, the squad grew with this last election. Um, we've got, uh, oh God, their names are escaping me right now, but uh, Mondaire Jones is coming in. Um, like the, the the party is evolving because it has to, because it needs to survive. And the old powers, the Diane Feinsteins, she's going to run for re-election. She's going to be 91 when she runs for re-election in 2024 because no. she continues to be the problem. But yes. the, what, the, what's like, your prediction, Danger? <laughs> my prediction is that the Republican Party, which is compl- which is increasingly losing relevance to people's lives, is going to continue to do so. It's going to get ugly. It's going to it's going to splinter. It's going to fragment. Uh, the, the, we're going to see some more Tea Party shit. That like the, the Q is the new Tea Party, you know. Yeah. Um. But for this particular for for the next two months, yeah, I do. Look, I was wrong in 2016. Well, I wasn't entirely wrong because Clinton won the popular vote and she won the election. But Trump gets to slide in on a technicality. I mean, in your defense, everyone was wrong about 2016, except me and Caitlin. Yep. <laughs> sure. Yeah. No, that sucks. You can't um, expect to be like us, Danger. That's no. I, that's and very, I would never that's try. Lofty goals. Me and Caitlin, we're fucking great, dude. We took a lot on the nose for those predictions for two years. Mm-hmm. Yep. No. No. Understandably so. It's it's <laughs> silly to think that a transparently fraudulent uh, misogynist creep. Uh, could get the backing of the evangelical party, but wow. here we are. So I no, I think I think Trump loses. I think it gets ugly. I'm concerned that the Democrats are going to are are going to default to the the, the stance of like, well, you know, we got it. We 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 don't want to make more enemies. We don't want to push any harder. But at the same time, I think there's enough people out there who are furious with the disarmament of the Democratic Party. I'm concerned that it might get tossed up uh, to the Supreme Court, uh, which is now a, a t- total joke. Yeah. It has been completely politicized. It is it, The point of the lifetime appointment was supposed to be that they are not politicians. And we've turned them into politicians. Ruth Bader Ginsburg, we have turned what, them. 
Yeah. We have turned them into it. And it's such a mistake. It's such a mistake. Very much so. We we did that. The populace did this. Yeah. So uh, I I think it's possible that we might get another completely screwed up 2000 situation, like your 2000 situation, where it's not the people decide. uh, But in that case, it was Gore that decided, you know what? I'll stand down. And I think that there's enough vitriol right now and and like awareness that like it's not going to be as close as 2000 was. Um, And no, the 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 irregularities are going to be so much more egregious that there are the 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 votes. The amount of votes are going to try to ignore is so huge that the normally uh, uh, passive Democratic Party will step in and say, you know what? No, we're not going to let this go. And we are going to push. And it's going to get ugly. And we're going to see more Kyle Rittenhouses out there killing leftists and black people in the name of their political aspirations or whatever. Uh, but, uh, and and furthermore, I, look, I think, I think Biden's going to win. I think he's going to get inaugurated. But like, again, like I... Inauguration day, I'm going marching again. You know, it's got to keep going. Yeah. We will. Um, we'll keep it going, man. Yeah. Just like this podcast. You know what I'm doing on January 21st? Napping. Fucking jury duty. As if we're <laughs> as if we're still going to have laws by then. Come on. Oh, <laughs> uh, you you won't be. Just tell them what you do for a living. Yeah. I'll yeah. Go ahead. Ask me if I think that guy's guilty. Yes, I do. Yes, so, I do. So don't pick so, me. Just wear your shirt that you're wearing now. Yeah, exactly. All right. So this was a good episode. It was so good fun. Up, guys. Good that up. was nice. I loved it. Um, I appreciate I love, you. I love my friends. I appreciate Aww. you both doing it. Uh, what do we have to plug before we get out of here? Danger. I know. <sighs> Buckle in, so, everybody. It's yeah. Be a few okay. Minutes. So in, in the grand tradition of my very long plugs, you guys, patreon.com slash countless thousands. We are writing a punk rock musical. We are putting out... A, uh, we're putting out a new album on on the first called The Triumph of Justice. Uh, oh, I'd love to hear is, it, but go on. Yeah, no, I'll, I'll send it to you and I won't threaten you. Mm-hmm. Um, it is it is ter- it's so good, you guys. Like, I'm so proud of this album. We mm-hmm. recorded it. Me and me, my guitarist uh, and uh, our, my bassist recorded it just in our houses because where else are we going to go? We got right. like my guitarist got really good at recording and producing and mastering. Um, it's the it's the best sounding thing we've put out so far. I'm the most excited, especially for we have a song that we have a Hanukkah song that we're going to put out for Hanukkah. Mm-hmm. Uh, we got any Fiddler on the Roof fans out there? Uh, oh, you know, you know, I am. Are you expecting okay. people to answer you? They're not. This is. Yeah. Live. Well, Kalen just did. Oh, okay. So, uh, you know, Laser Wolf, the most insanely named side character in the history of anything. Yep. We wrote a song about Laser Wolf and it's a metal song. Um, oh it's God. a hair metal song, like a spooky Halloween Hanukkah song about laser wolf called laser wolf and it's 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 my favorite thing it's gonna be great we're gonna put out some more singles i'll i'll get another appearance on this network to uh debut uh some of these signals but please go patreon.com slash countless thousand support us uh you can follow me countless one zero 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 s uh and then also i don't know i'm in grad school i got a toddler okay um, you know that, those aren't plugs that's just you talking about your life i, I want to plug like, the yeah. fact that i need to piss right now but Hashtag also blood. danger is a very excellent songwriter Correct. uh one of my favorites so do check that album out when it comes out you're really fucking good man you know thank that? you you are you write really really good songs thank you very and much you're a really it's, good it's, singer 
And I hope people do check out that album. But I also and hope I, you shut the fuck up about I it. Gotta so I gotta say, like, oh, I owe I owe the Patreon to Adam. He was like, I was so depressed in in 2018 because I, I lost my drummer and I didn't have I I didn't know what to do and I had didn't have any direction. And I was like, just start a Patreon, man. Just do it. Go for it. it. You can do it. You can. It and the I was world like, we live I believe in I, I believe in myself because you believe in me, Adam. And 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 oh. again, thank you for that. It's helped keep me sane. That so much has changed in my life, and the the Patreon's been kind of uh, the 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 core a core piece of my identity. And I owe that in a very large part to you, Adam. So thank you. No, oh, thank you. I love Adam. We're so nice to each other. We it's all like lo- we love British each other. Show. We all love each we other. Love, it's great. Other. It's great. Caitlin, what do you have to plug? Hey, speaking of people, I love. Uh, my my husband has an awesome horror movie podcast that he just launched, and he's got an episode up for every month, uh, every day of the month of October, Ooh. and it's called Spooktacular Now. Uh, you can find it on Instagram, and you can find the podcast uh, on wherever you get your good pod, and they've covered... This is Spiria remake. They've Ooh. they've covered uh, the new Chucky reboot. They've covered uh, Midsummer. A bunch of really great stuff. I actually got into podcasting because of him. He had a movie <laughs> podcast a long time ago, and I uh, he inspired me. So give it a listen. I, if you've ever wondered what kind of man would marry, uh. this is a good way to find out. Danger! Did you thumbs down the Child's Play remake? The Chuck? Yeah, that was dumb. Are you well, out of Wi-Fi. your mind? It is so I, much better than the original. It's so fun. Out. It's great. Why? My face done. Oh, I love that movie, but we can talk about it. On Aubrey the Plaza's great sure. in it. Oh, so good. All right, so let's good. get out of here. Woo. Danger. Say goodbye. We're also writing a children's book that my wife is illustrating. That it's going to go up on the Patreon called "Murder Assassins from the Future: A Cautionary Tale About Time Travel." It, it's very exciting. Sorry, we, we I forgot to talk about that. It's really great. Bye, guys. Patreon.com slash Thousands. Namaste. And vote. Caitlin, say goodbye. Goodbye. Goodbye, everybody. We love you.